sorry, I was just reading a news article on the BBC website about a man who shot himself 200 times with an upholstery gun. Mad, isn't it? Surgeons uh, revealed now he's fully recovered. Did you get it? It wasn't even a film-related joke. Fully recovered. It wasn't even a film-related. Upholstery related. gun. Fully recovered, no. No, we, we got it, but... Uh, is that how we're did starting I now? Did I tell you about my friend who had his return flight from Gibraltar to Glasgow cancelled. He's, no. he's now stuck between a rock and a hard place. Okay, right. Shall I go, shall I go and just leave you to it? Um, I've, got, I've got more if you want. Like. No, no, maybe, maybe you know later. The, you know the decorator we had in last week? We did actually have a decorator in last week. You know, I was chatting to him and it no turns out he's a BA pilot on, mm. on furlough. Yeah. Wow. He made a great job of the landing. Walked right into that one, didn't I? Flew. <laughs> God. Okay. Anyway, right. Ma- on to Matters film and a little bit of TV. Hope, <laughs> hope we're all well. Are we are. Yeah, I'm good. Me too. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you've got the jokes this morning. I felt like you were in a really good mood. Well, really? No. <laughs> I'm... I'm um, Papering over the cracks on As this, on this uh, overcast, grey, dreary Friday morning in North London-ish. Anyway, right. I'm done with cheering everyone up now. Oh, good. Um, hello. Hi, how are you? Oh, we've established that. <laughs> I've just answered it. So, what are we up to this week then? This week's podcast. Well, the film we're talking about is American Beauty. Ah. Very exciting. Okay, yeah, good. Um, and then I imagine you've been watching some TV this week. I have a little bit as well. I have watched a little bit of TV. I just put my glasses on to read what I've written. Yeah. To remind myself what I've watched. Uh, oh, yes, good. I have. Um, and again, we've I've got uh, six questions, six trivia questions. Um, actually, we will open with a couple of, couple of those questions now, I think, we reckon. Go on then. Right, question one. Don't answer. Which three films make up the Three Flavours Cornetto trilogy? See, I know you know the answer to that one. Mm-hmm. Which three films make up the Three Flavours Cornetto trilogy? And question two, name the film that belongs to the following line. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. So name the film. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Right, there are your two questions. All right, so what have you watched this week? Again, I've not been watching anything new. I've gone back and started re-watching Faulty Towers because it's on Netflix and I watched it growing up with my parents and I love it, it was one of my favourite sitcoms growing up and I realise that now it is quite problematic, it's coming up in the news quite a lot because... It's been withdrawn hasn't it? Yeah, certain episodes have been withdrawn for certain slurs and... The major... Yeah, racist terminology, which I was... When I watched it on Netflix, actually, I was surprised that it was kept in there because I'm sure when it's shown on TV, they must cut that stuff out. But on Netflix, it is there, fully uncut. But I still love it as a series. I think it works really well. John Cleese plays Basil Fawlty, who wants to run an upper-class hotel for the upper classes. He doesn't want the riffraff coming in. But unfortunately, he just can't help but get himself into problems. Um, he tries to be a bit of a cheapskate, which doesn't really help. And I still, I still love it. But I just thought I'd rewatch it because I hadn't seen it in so long. 
Um, and it is, it is coming up as problematic, and I can see why, but I still think that amongst all that, there are some classic lines and classic storylines. It's also satire as well. They were, they were making fun of the tropes and things that the major spoke. It wasn't, he wasn't a serious character, and people who take him seriously are idiots. No, and th- just today, or at least last night, they've removed um, the Germans episode because of Basil... Um, you know, mentioning the war and making not making fun of the Germans. He doesn't intend to. And again, the character is actually recovering from a head injury. He doesn't realise half the stuff he's saying. Um, but they decided that that should no longer be shown either. It'll come back up again, I'm sure. Yeah, I think all these old sitcoms and all the old films are problematic as well. So, I mean, how much are we going to get rid of? But no, it, it's good for a rewatch, especially if you've seen it before. It's just such easy watching and it, it still makes me laugh. Honestly, other than that, not much else that I've been watching this week, so I'm going to hand it over to you. What have you been watching? Shit's Creek. Excuse Just me? wanted to say that, <laughs> so I can get away with swearing. Um, I, I've, as is true to form, found Shit's Creek this week, but it is actually six seasons old. In fact, it's just finished its run. Um, I think they've, they've quit while they're at their most popular. But it's a Canadian comedy uh, written by... A father and son, Dan and Eugene Levy, who actually also play the father and son of the family of four who have just suddenly fallen on hard times. They were filthy rich and they've fallen on hard times. And the only um, possessions they have are a, t- a town called Shit's Creek, which does live up to its name. Um, and so they have to go and live there um, whilst they get themselves back back into the into business and so on. I've only watched three episodes but it's uh, you know 20 25 minutes easy watching it's fun so that's all I've watched this week I don't know have we watched a film did we watch a film this week I can't remember we the last film we watched at the weekend was the matrix reloaded that was the most recent thing yeah, that we've that, watched that, that, um, we're just working our way through the trilogy it's getting increasingly bizarre yeah well there is a fourth one coming out as well so i feel like now i should watch the trilogy just so i can watch the fourth one and see why they you still to may not one. have a clue what's going on this is true i just know there's there's fighting that happens and it looks cool um i do wonder why they decided to make one all these years later but i guess i guess we'll see when that comes out in I wanna 2021 see, i want to see the film based on if he took the other pill that would be good mm. i don't think it's going to happen now no. Anyway, right. Okay, two more questions. Go for it. What question three? What is the name of the fictional town where Stranger Things is set? Fictional town where Stranger Things is set. And question four. I might have done this one already. I'm not sure. Name the tower block in Only Fools and Horses where Del Boy and Rodney live. Well, if you're paying attention, you may have heard that before. Name the tower block in Peckham, South London, where Only Fools and Horses, Del Boy and Rodney live. Okay, there's your two questions three and four. Right, okay, time for this week's deep dive. Woohoo! And you've chosen this week American, American Beauty. Sorry, cut you off. It's alright. American Beauty. I'm used to it. <laughs> Sorry. Why? Because when we did 1917 a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Sam Mendes as a director, and I forgot that he directed American Beauty. And it's a film we've both seen previously, 
um, but we've never watched it together and I haven't seen it since I was about 16. Um, so it's about 10 years since I last saw it. So I just thought it'd be interesting to give it a rewatch since at the time it did very well, but that storyline is um, questionable to say the least. Well, the storyline, yeah. Well, one of the storylines within... Less the storyline, more the chief protagonist in the storyline, I'd say. Well, him too. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's strange watching it now. Um, but that's why I chose it. And the fact is that it was, it was Sam Mendes' first film as a director, which I thought would be quite good to look at. Um, he actually wasn't the first choice to direct the film either. They wanted The studio wanted someone who was a bit more well-known, so they had asked other directors. So they'd asked uh, Mike Nichols, who directed The Graduate, and Robert Zemeckis, who directed the Back to the Future trilogy. And they'd both turned it down. Um, but Steven Spielberg was actually a big name at DreamWorks. Um, he was a studio partner and he really liked what Mendes had done in the theatre. And so he convinced DreamWorks to let him direct the film and push Mendes to do it. And that is how he started. Well, it was um, in 1999. Won yeah. A, won a lot of Oscars, didn't it? It won five. So it won, it's one of the four, at the time it was the fourth film to win the top five awards. And if Annette Bening had won Best Actress, it would have been a clean sweep. So it did really well. Yeah, not bad for your first film. No. Did he win Best Director? He did indeed, yeah. Imagine that, your first directing job and you win that. And it was going up against some pretty good films that year. Um, you've got to remember, like Fight Club came out in the same year, but Fight Club was shunned for those big awards. People just didn't go for it. It's interesting because Fight Club has probably got more of a um, cult following now than something like American Beauty. Definitely. I think Fight Club was nominated for the minor awards, like things like editing or sound. Actually, they've got quite a lot in common, Fight Club and American Beauty. They do indeed. Why do you think they have stuff in common? Well, just because of their kind of commentary on American society and feel the sense of being trapped and hopelessness and uh, materialism and all of these. You know, I think they've got a lot in common yeah, for the same year. But, even, but in 1999, I don't know, I need to have a look, American economy was probably doing quite well. It was, so it's quite interesting that those films came out in the same year. Um, because Mendes was given an opportunity to look at eight different scripts and he just he just liked American Beauty, so that's why he went for it, but yeah. Um, so what's it about, specifically? So, well, it focuses on Kevin Spacey's character, Lester Burnham. So he is in his early 40s, he's an advertising executive, living in suburban America. He's got a wife and a daughter, a teenage daughter, um, and he's gradually becoming sick of the life that he lives. He thinks it's mundane. He thinks there's nothing about it that excites him. He's and trapped. Yeah, he's completely trapped. Um, his wife is very career-driven, highly strung. His teenage daughter, he describes her as, you know, like quite moody um, and depressed. Um, she doesn't really have much of a relationship with him. Um, and he really struggles with that. And he wants to make a change, but he feels like in the confines of this nice little white picket fence community, he can't really do that. I've got him down as a man who fears growing older. Ignored by his true. wife, unloved by his daughter, trapped. Yeah, So what does he do about it? 
Well, initially... What's, what's the change? <laughs> the catalyst... That's the word. Yes, the catalyst to all this is he meets a friend of his teenage daughter's uh, called Angela Hayes, and she is a teenager who he becomes fixated on. He cannot stop thinking about her in very inappropriate ways. And this does not go unnoticed by herself, nor by his daughter, who is disgusted. Yeah, his daughter's disgusted, but she does. She isn't. She plays to it. No. Angela Hayes, uh, the friend in question, she is very aware... 16, 17? Yep. She's very aware of how beautiful she is, and she's very aware that boys and men like her for her looks she's aware of the way that they think about her and she thrives on that and she talks very openly about what she's done with men and guys um and you know her but that's not actually true is it that's a lot of bravado on her part it is and she's she's best friends with jane who is very very quiet and quite reserved um, and doesn't have anything to talk about in that aspect and just seems to listen to it. But eventually she even snaps and says, I don't want to hear about all this stuff. But it is, it's it's a well, teenage girl just trying to fit in and well, that's what she thinks is going to work. Well, she's kind of um, um, full of typical teenage insecurities. Yeah, she she's is. Quite, she's quite, she's probably quite a genuine character in the film. Um I would say so. Especially when, later on in the film, Jane actually gets into a relationship, a serious relationship, and... um, With with the freaky stalker from next door. Yes, with the freaky stalker from next door. And while Angela's... Sorry, the freaky stalker drug dealer from next door. Drug dealer. Son of... Filming. Son of racist stroke closet uh, homosexual. Yeah. Filming everything. Room full of cassette tapes. Yeah. Um... So Angela's horrified because how can Jane go out with this weirdo, this freak? But she's also upset because she loses the best friend who she kind of used to compensate. Like, Jane was just this dowdy, innocent, like, no man would look at her. Um, And Angela even comments that um, Ricky Fitz, who is the guy next door, he doesn't even notice Angela. And she's like, oh, he's so weird if he he doesn't even look at me. Um, and she's, I think she's upset that she loses someone who actually she felt like made her feel better, which is exactly what Ricky says actually towards the end of the film when they have a big fight. Okay. Um, so what does uh, Lester Sussex, she's, so she's the cat- catalyst for Lester Burnham's um, explosion. Yeah. If you like. Yeah. His life explodes. It does. And what does he, what does he do then? He starts by quitting his job. He earns, you know, a fair amount of money. 60k a year. Yeah, as advertising executive. Um, He quits his job in spectacular fashion, unbeknownst to his wife. Uh, They have a big showdown. And instead, he decides to befriend Ricky Fitz from next door, uh, start smoking pot with him, getting getting quite a few deals from him, and also um, decides to enhance himself by working out um, based on the fact that he thought that actually, while he was, while he was fixated on Angela, he thought that she would like him more um, if he had muscles. She, he overhears that conversation that she's having um, with Jane, partly to freak Jane out, but partly because, you know, she just... she well, she's playing her role. Yeah. Um, and he starts working out and starts changing himself, which only upsets his wife even more because she can't understand who is this man that she's been married to who's been, who's been a doormat for the last few years. 
and now he's suddenly making this great change and she also feels trapped in her own way she's in a job where she's not succeeding as much as she'd like to that's Annette Benning. yes it is great actress yes um, and she wants this perfect life but she's realising her job isn't actually um, going as well and she's having to accept that well, she's, all, she's all about material possession isn't she She's oh like, yes, there's. She even matches her. <laughs> what is it? Her prunes with her outfit. Her pruning. Yes, she does. It's all for show. It's all this. Look at us. We're this perfect family. And there's a scene later on because the couple admit that they haven't been very close in a long time. Um, it, particularly Lester talks about the fact that he's denied any sort of pleasure. She's made that clear. And there's one scene where they look like they could be. Um, you know, about to reunite, like rekindle their love for one Have another. sex, I think you're trying to well, say. Well, yeah. And then she um, makes a comment that he's about to spill beer on the couch, a $4,000 couch, um, and that's the moment over, because he just doesn't understand how can she care so much about a couch. But apparently she does, because it's not just a couch. I thought it was. Okay, what does he do then? He's quit his job, he's, what? what's next up for him in his midlife crisis? Well, he's still um, thinking about Angela, as in Jane's friend. Um, okay, well, he doesn't he get a job in a fast food restaurant? Oh, yeah, he does, you're right, sorry. So he, he goes to a job at a fast food restaurant where he's told he's, he's overqualified, and he says it's fine, he wants the job with the least responsibility. And he buys himself a nice little flash sports car, doesn't he? Yeah, and the little remote control car that he plays with in the house and annoys his wife with as well. So proper midlife crisis territory, but he is smiling more. He is. He suddenly seems a lot happier. For the first time in his life, he feels like he is being himself. And um, and his missus then, also you said she's not happy, so what does she do about her sense of feeling trapped, her unhappiness? So she meets with her competitor in real estate um he's the real estate king uh played by peter gallagher and she ends up having an affair with him um she you know she gets all the sexual pleasure that she hasn't been getting from lester um, and they embark on an affair which eventually lester discovers and she's how does he discover i like how he discovers that <laughs> so she um decides that uh, with Peter, they should, you know, they should just do what they want, go crazy, and for her, that means going to the drive-through and getting fast food. And Lester overhears her voice ordering the food. That's where he's working. Yeah. Yes, and make sure that he goes to the window to give them the food. And she's horrified. She becomes very apologetic and teary, but she's more annoyed by the fact that actually Lester doesn't care at all. He's not bothered because he's found himself, he's found this life, and he doesn't need her. So she goes and sits in the car and it starts to rain now, you know, pathetic fallacy kicking in. It yeah. starts to rain and she loves these self-help cassettes in the car and yeah. she starts listening to one and repeating the mantra over and over whilst reaching towards the glove compartment and pulling out a gun. Yep, very not, ominous scene. Not destined for her, we think, at this point, the gun. Destined for... Her husband, perhaps. Yes, she's finally been driven to the brink. Because um, she's, she's also had a fight with her daughter. Um, she sort of puts the, puts the blame on, on Jane and, and says, you know, look at the life like you have. You've had everything you've ever wanted. But that's what they've given to Jane. And Jane, you know, she's still 
frustrated by the fact that she just can't connect with her parents and she has no real desire to. So that's all going on. His life is getting better. He's free from the shackles of his life. Her mm-hmm. life is kind of spiralling and um, the daughter Jane's life is um, kind of bouncing along the bottom and she kind of hooks up with um, freaky stalker guy from next door. Um, So tell us about the new neighbours and the repressed dad. Yeah, so the neighbours move in and the first time we actually see Ricky Fitz, he's recording Jane as she walks up her driveway. They're the same age. At night, yeah. So he's recording her and she confronts him and says, you know, I don't don't really like that you're doing this. It's creepy. Um, And he continues to film her. He also films her um, in... The kitchen in her kitchen window when she's having an argument with Lester so he's been filming her for quite a long time and he turns up the next day to school and Jane comments to Angela that's the creep who was who was filming me um, and he comments that he he films anything he finds interesting and later on we see his room and it's stacked shelves along the wall of cassette tapes that he's been filming hooks it up to the TV um, plays what he's been recording um, meanwhile, has his dad, who's an ex-colonel, who Ricky states actually put him in a psychiatric hospital for a couple of years because Ricky got into drugs and his dad feared he was going down the wrong path. Um, he's the kind of dad who demands urine tests every six months to check that Ricky is clean, but Ricky has somehow made a deal with I don't know, someone who works in the, in a medical capacity and she provides him with clean urine that he then passes off as his own sample and continues to make a lot of money from dealing pots, which is how he gets all this equipment. But he tells his dad it all comes from catering jobs to keep his dad's sweets. And his dad's pretty uptight. Yes, very uptight. Impressed. Yeah, um, as you said earlier, um, closeted homosexual, which we find out uh, much later in the film. It's a bit of a comedy of misunderstandings all leading towards this kind of climax. It is, yes. Because while Ricky is dating Jane, and everyone seems to be aware of that, um, Ricky um, and Lester obviously have a relationship as well. They met first at an event, um, and Lester obviously goes to Ricky to get pots, and they get on fairly well. Um, and the colonel thinks that there is more to this than just a friendship and actually thinks they're in a relationship. So there's some clever camera angles um, later on when he spies on Ricky going over to Lester's house and can see them in the garage through the window, bit of obscured vision with the walls in place. Um, so he thinks something's happening, but actually it's all innocent. Um, well, it's innocent drug use as opposed to well, s- sexual encounters. Yes, it's not what he feared, which was a homosexual relationship. Um, just rewind, actually. The film opens with uh, Lester Burnham narrating um, uh, um, the opening sequence where he announce- kind of introduces, this is my street, this is where I live, um, and he, he says, I'll be dead within a year. Yeah. So it kind of sig- signifies where the film's going, and all the narrative threads are winding their way towards this one particular climax, which, as I'm not, you know, you, if you haven't seen the film, watch it, but um, it's all leading towards the death of Lester Burnham. Yes, and even before 
Lester Burnham starts narrating, the first thing we see is footage um, being filmed of Jane, and we later find out it's being filmed by Ricky, where she's actually complaining about her father and how she hates the fact that she can't bring um, her girlfriends over because he'll just stare at them and she finds it really weird. And Ricky behind the camera asks, like, would you, like, do you want me to kill your dad for you? And then she sits up and stares into the lens and says, would you? And that's what we see, and we see that scene in full context later on, but it sets quite a chilling tone for the film. Well, it's a dark comedy. It is, yes. I'd say as well. Um, okay, right, where are we? Anything else about the film specifically? I don't know. Actors, plot? Yeah, I was just, just going to say um, that there are quite a few scenes of improvisation in the film, um, which actually bring up quite some of the more comical moments, I suppose. Um, both um, Kevin Spacey's character and Annette Benning's character have separate scenes where they sing along to a song in the car um, and Lester Burnham is shown to be singing along to American Woman. That was completely improvised, Spacey decided. He wanted to do it and they kept it in um, and it's kind of symbolising the characters feeling freedom for the first time um, and really expressing themselves. So Annette Benning sings along to Don't Rain On My Parade when she finally feels quite happy again. Um, obviously as well the film because of the matter of Lester becoming fixated on Angela it hints back to Lolita and there are references to Lolita made in the film very very subtle that you wouldn't know unless you've read or seen um, Lolita but Angela's surname is Hayes and Lolita's last name is also Hayes just spelt differently and Lester Burnham the name was concocted as an anagram um, for Humbert learns, and Humbert is the man in Lolita who becomes obsessed. Although you have to point out that Lester Burnham does not act on his... He, he is presented with the opportunity to um, take advantage of Angela, and he, he, he uh, refuses to. Yes, he does. He does... Um, so, so whilst what he... Almost redeem himself. So whilst his actions or his thoughts may have been immoral or uncomfortable... There is no legal line crossed. He does um, withdraw from that uh, opportunity. Yeah. So not quite like Lolita. Um, I think other than that, the only thing to comment on is, well, even if you haven't seen American Beauty, you would probably recognise famous scenes from it. So even the film poster, which is just a torso, presumably of a young girl, with a hand and a rose and the scene where Mina Savari, who plays Angela, is in a bath with rose petals. And the roses are used throughout the film, and the reason for that is that the opening scenes of the film where Lester's introducing his family, Carolyn's outside, his wife, taking such pride in her roses, these things that are so beautiful, conveying this perfect life. But then she cuts the roses and puts them in vases in the house, and the fact is that once she cuts the roses, they begin to die. And so there's this contrast throughout the film. The, the tagline for the film is actually look closer. And it's because there is a rose called the American Beauty. And it's a rose that's known for looking beautiful. But when you actually look closer, it does begin to rot. Um, and I just, I just think that's really... Symbolic. Sim well, yes, yeah, symbolic. It's a motif yeah. throughout the film. In your face symbolism with the, yeah. red, with the red door on there otherwise plain white facade. Yeah, the red and white contrast is used a lot throughout the film um, and the reason that's done is so that the audience becomes so accustomed to seeing red and white everywhere that later events in the film no longer really shock them. That was like, what it was designed like for. Like red blood spatter on a white wall. 
Yes. Chance. Yes. Well done. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting film. It's quite a, a kind of complex film in some ways. Characters are interesting. I, I I don't think any of them are particularly bad people. I think the point was that they're just shaped by society in such a way that they can't be themselves. Maybe Angela is the kind of confused. Um, insecure teenager is the only kind of realistic character possibly I'd say so um, characters we haven't mentioned as well are um, the gay couple who are introduced right at the start as living next door on the other side um, to Lester um, and they're, they're called Jim and Jim one's an accountant and one is it's another mundane job I can't remember but it's just that idea that, you know, they just want to fit in as well. They're not necessarily massively flamboyant. And Mendes said that that was quite important. Um, they just want to fit in and be accepted by the community. I don't know. I think the, the, the sole purpose for them is to highlight um, the Colonel's homophobic, outward homophobic... Oh, it is. Um, yes. They're definitely, a, they're definitely a... I don't know what word I'm looking for here... Um, yes, they're, they're, they're meant to be there for a reason, but it's the fact that they're not so gay in your face. It, in fact, the colonel at the beginning doesn't realise they're gay until they spell it out to him because they introduce each other as their partner and he thinks they're business partners. Um, and so it's not so in your face that the colonel's immediately um, you know, drawing away from them. But once that's revealed, he then has quite a harsh outburst later on with Ricky in the car where he expresses his disgust that people are allowed to live like that. Okay, um, has it withstood the test of time? <sighs> uh, well, it's, it's, it's problematic, isn't it? A lot of, a lot of the storyline, but I think, I think if you're looking at it as suburban life and the way that families present themselves and it's very different behind closed doors, then I think that is still very, very true of lots of communities today. Um, and yeah, I would, I would say that's something that a lot of people would resonate with, the fact that they try and live a perfect life for everyone else, but inside they know that they're not happy and they're doing things to fulfil, almost like fulfilling the American dream, which maybe isn't their dream, it's the ideal that they've been taught to want. Yeah, it's interesting, the comparison with Fight Club, it, it rings kind of true for me. I think Fight Club is... And any film's a, a film of its era. I mean, that's just the nature of it. Um, but I think Fight Club has kind of increased in popularity whilst this film has possibly faded into the background a little bit. I don't uh, know. Yeah, I, th I think it has. A couple of things that I've read alluded to the fact that when the film came out and it won all those Oscars, people, you watched it because it was supposed to be a really good film. But now a lot of people they wouldn't say that they would re-watch it for pleasure. It's something that they think, oh, that film happened, but I wouldn't watch it now. Um, it's I, gone I down in popularity a lot due to Spacey as well, being in the main role. I must confess, I, I absolutely loved it first time <laughs> round. thought it was brilliant. Um, just the artistic quality of it as well, and the pace, and the, 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 the satire behind it, the, you know, the, the message behind it. I thought it was... Superb. Um, second time round, as in this week. Yeah, felt a little bit more uncomfortable watching it, but 
Yeah, I find it hard to think about the fact that I first saw the film when I was about 16 and there's a lot of content in that film that now I'm looking at it from a very different perspective knowing a lot more than I know now because let's face it, when I first watched it I was still very much a child um, and it, I did find it awkward to watch and because I hadn't seen it in 10 years, hadn't looked at it there was a lot of stuff I didn't remember and I was laughing awkwardly at it because I didn't really know how to respond to some of it. Um, but I can see why it is such a good film as well. Alright, go on, rate it out of five. I mean, for me, I would, I would say probably four out of five. I appreciate it as an artistic piece and I love the kind of symbolism that is explored throughout the film. But it is problematic. It is an awkward watch for me. Um, but no denying it is a good film. Yeah, there's some great scenes in it. Yeah. Dinner table scenes, a couple of crap Oh, I was going to bring that up later. Yeah, classic. Okay, right. I think we're done. Deep dive, done. Okay, final two questions, I think. Um, question five. What type of car is in the Back to the Future films? What type of car is in the Back to the Future films? And the last question, which movie star is killed off in the opening scene of Scream? Which movie star is killed off in the opening scene of Scream? Right, okay. Um, they're the questions done. Answers in a few minutes. Next section, what's coming up on DVD or TV or Netflix that we should be watching or looking out for at least? In terms of DVD, uh, 15th of June, so Monday, you should be looking out for The Personal History of David Copperfield. Should I? DVD. Yes, you should. We have seen the film. Oh, is that the one with <laughs> Dave Patel in it? Yes, we did watch it. Um, I had never read the book. It's based on the Dickens novel. But I was amazed by how much I enjoyed the film. It was funny. It was heartwarming. It was tragic in all the right places. Um, so it is, it is a period drama. Uh, it's got Dev Patel in. It's got low. It's got actually quite a good cast of actors coming in and out of it. Peter Capaldi's in it. Um, yeah, I, it's just a really good film, and it is. I think it's a family film you can watch with everyone. Dev Patel rocks. He's brilliant. I mean, we have watched a lot of Dev Patel over the past few weeks, and I I think I love everything he's been in. I don't think there's anything at this moment in time that I fault. So. Coronation Street. Was he in Coronation Street? Was he not? Oh, no. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not. Okay, but even if he was in Coronation Street, I would probably say okay, I what liked it. What else? <laughs> um, another DVD coming out that you might want to look at um, is the film Doolittle. I'm thinking of this more as, like, family friendly again. Is Robert again. Downey Jr.? It is Robert Downey Jr., yes. So it's, yes, you've probably heard the name before. It is very similar to Dr. Doolittle that um, originally starred, oh, who was in it? Is it Eddie Murphy? Who's yeah, Josh Doolittle? Yes, it is. Um, so it's, it's essentially a remake of that. So that's coming out as well. Man who can talk to animals. Um, he's mastered all the animal languages. Um, so I thought that would be a good one as well. In terms of TV, I actually don't have anything. I don't know if you've seen anything coming up on TV because you watch a lot more TV than I do these no, days. nothing. I've not paid any attention to what's coming up on TV. No. Okay, then other than that, the only other thing I can think of for Netflix, um, I think it is already out, but it's recent, 
um, if people have watched it, um, is the season four, which is the final season of 13 Reasons Why. I watched the first season and I didn't watch any of the other seasons. It was harrowing, but it was one of those things I thought I'd like to watch. It's about, it's based on a book and it's about a girl who, a high school girl who commits suicide and she leaves tape recordings about her life and the events leading up to her death. And um, this one boy, Clay in particular, she was friends with him, not best friends, but they were close. He finds the tape recordings. There's like a trail of them that she leaves and he's trying to work out why um, she did it, who is responsible. Um, and the other seasons tend to focus on fairly similar themes. So it is quite teenager, but that's something out. Yeah, it's not, it's quite controversial as well. It is it? controversial, yes, um, but... Glorifying suicide, kind yes. of leaving a, perhaps risks leaving a teenager, a vulnerable teenager thinking that suicide isn't actually final. That was what I, and I've not watched yeah. it, and I've no intention of watching it. Either. And it's also the fact that it becomes this game of leaving the recordings for people to find and everyone gets caught up in it. No, not, not for me. No. I would not recommend people watch it. I would recommend people don't watch it. That's where the negative should be there. So there you go. Um, other than that, not much else uh, coming out on Netflix, I think, is of much right. interest. Okay, question answer time now. Oh, okay. Um, right, question one. Which three films make up the Three Flavours Cornetto trilogy? Go on then. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and The World's End. And they only decided to call it the Three Flavours Cornetto trilogy after the second one. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Question two. Name the film, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Gone with the Wind. Is correct. Another film being taken off HBO due to its racial comments. Okay. Um, question three. What is the name of the fictional town where Stranger Things is set? Hawkins. Uh, name the tower block in South London where <laughs> Delboy and Rodders live. Nelson Mandela House. It is. Um, what type of car? Is in Back to the Future films. A DeLorean. Correct. And which movie star is killed off in the opening scene of Scream? Drew Barrymore. Isn't she E.T.? Yeah. Well, she's not E.T., but she's in E.T., yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like her. Yeah. why they kill her off in Scream. I know. She did really well, though. It's a great opening scene if you've never seen it. I've never seen it. Oh, I recommend that 100%. We're going to have to do a deep dive on that eventually. You love horror films. I, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> one good, one bad to end Oh, okay. Um, this week, my one good comes from um, American Beauty because I wanted to talk about this scene and you mentioned it earlier. The dining room scene in American Beauty. Um, Can you pass me the asparagus, please? <laughs> well, she, she never does, does she? Annette Benning? No, she chooses to avoid that because this is... Everyone's sitting down to dinner when this... This is when Lester reveals that he quit his job He's very, you know, happy that he's done that, but his wife can't seem to see past the fact that now she's going to have to be the breadwinner for the family. Lester just wants the asparagus. There's this back and forth of Annette complaining, or Annette, <laughs> or Carolyn complaining. Lester waiting for the asparagus, and eventually he walks around the table, picks up the asparagus, and then serves himself and chucks the plate against the wall, which was improvised by Spacey and um, he was just meant to throw it on the floor so the reactions you see of Thora Birch and Annette Benning are genuine they had no idea he was going to do that great scene love it okay and you want bad okay my bad obviously has to come from Faulty Towers 
Um, I could talk about bad things in American Beauty, but I think Faulty Towers, just for its use of the N-word and sure. other various slurs, um, I, think, I think it's just it's disappointing to watch it now. And I know it's from a certain time period, but I think it's still disappointing yeah, that Netflix I, have the ability to edit out certain scenes and have not don't, chosen don't forget, that time to do period, that time use of the N-word was also wrong. It's not glory. It was wrong at the time. Yeah, but it was shown on TV. It's been on Netflix. And I just think it's a shame that it's only just being looked at in terms of being taken down. I do think there are a lot of shows that are being taken down. And I question, you know, I question whether that is completely necessary. But, um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tainted Faulty Towers for me, which I've been watching it since I was very, very small before I understood what any of that meant. I just love the slapstick comedy. so that's where my bad comes from, just because it's tainted that childhood memory for me a little bit. What about you? Well, my one good, I'm breaking with tradition now, I'm picking them from two different areas. Oh. My one good is that feeling, or that, that sense, that joy you get when you find a new series on Netflix and you realise there are 80 episodes to watch. So I found that with Shit's Creek this <laughs> week. I'm on episode three. I have 77 to go. That is good. My one bad is unfortunately watching Kevin Spacey under the new light of the sexual assault allegations and wondering throughout the entire film whether he was actually playing himself. Yeah. That was that was an unavoidable and unfortunate uh, new addition to my viewing uh, experience of American Beauty um, because I think Kevin Spacey up until the allegations came to light it was a uh, just one of my favorite actors i thought he was superb but he's brilliant loved all his films and um but there you go that's my one bad um anything else to add no i think we covered everything it's lunchtime now and it's still gray and overcast outside so happy friday people happy friday everyone